Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. So today's Palm Sunday. Some people are, don't even know what Palm Sunday means, and um, we're going to find out today and how that relates to us today, where we find ourselves um, as those of you guys that have probably known me for a couple of years, you just realized that just recently I started wearing glasses, um, and I was in denial for probably about a year and a half. I was just, you know, just telling my wife, I don't know what it is. I, I get a headache, like, every single day at the same time. And she's like, are you in front of your computer? Yeah. She goes, oh, you should get your eyes checked. And, and I'm like, nah. And then I went to get another um, consultation from another professional, and I told them what I was going through. And then, oh, you should go get your eyes checked. And then I went to talk to someone else, and they're like, hey, here's two Advil, and I like that one, right? But it kept on going, and then I actually met an eye doctor, and I'm like, hey, and I asked the eye doctor, and now this is really an eye doctor and not a nurse and a teacher and a friend of mine who, um, who drives a, a lunch truck is the one that gave me the two Advil, who I thought he was the, the wisest one of the three. Um, and so I told him, it's like, listen, come by my office. And I will give you a free eye check. And so I go, I get my eyes checked, and I'm like, okay, so, so Doc, like, what is it? And my wife is texting me, are you nearsighted? Are you farsighted? What are you? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what any of that means. And so I'm asking the doctor all this stuff, and, and she, she looks at my chart, and she's like looking like very intently, trying to find something. And she was looking for my birthday. And then she goes, uh you know what you have? And I'm like, what? She's like, you're turning 40, right? <laughs> and here's the thing. Um, when she gave me, you know, like they start putting all the little lenses and stuff. And, and uh, I finally got the one that was mine. And, and I'm like, Is my, are my eyes really bad? And she's like, no, they're not that bad. It's like, you've been living your entire life in like standard definition. And now you're going to start living in HD. Now you're going to start seeing things that you didn't see before. Right? As soon as you get your glasses and your headaches are going to go away. You see, and a lot of times in our lives, we live like that. There's things that are happening around us and we don't even realize that they're happening in the natural world and also in the spiritual world. Sometimes God's trying to get our attention and we don't hear Him. We don't understand what He's trying to do. There's things happening around us. Like, why, is all, why are all these things happening? And could it be that God is trying to get your attention? God's trying to tell you something, but because you're living in this SD type of life and not HD type of life, you're not hearing and you're not recognizing God. You see, and in Palm Sunday, that's exactly what happened. You see, um, what I love about Palm Sunday is that it wasn't a surprise. The prophet Daniel prophesied the exact date when the king, the Messiah, would arrive to Jerusalem. In Daniel 9.25, and you can go and you can read it the exact day when Jesus was going to show up. And then the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, he says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, which is Israel. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. You guys know the story. You've seen the pictures, how Jesus shows up in Jerusalem. He is just as endowed with salvation, humble, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fowl 
of a donkey. So two prophecies telling the children of Israel that Jesus was coming and they didn't recognize that their Messiah was there. You see, Jesus was coming to rescue us from ourselves, rescue us from sin. And Israel was looking for a physical king. He was, they were looking for someone that would satisfy a physical need. And so many times, God's trying to get our attention, but there is so much garbage around us, so many things that we're involved with, that we can't hear him, we can't understand him. You see, there were some people that knew of the miracles. Not many. This was actually, people believe this was the first time that Jesus actually goes into Jerusalem. And if you read some of the miracles that Jesus would do, a lot of times, what would he say? He would say, don't tell anyone. And, and when he would raise the dead, sometimes, don't, don't tell anyone. And so he was trying to keep things down low, but now he's going into Jerusalem and this triumphal entry and then the religious people, because, you know, religious people always come to ruin fun and, and to ruin the move of God sometimes. The Messiah is there, and, 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 the, and the Pharisees come to Jesus, and what do they tell him? Tell the people to be quiet. So Jesus is coming on the donkey. The people are ripping, like, branches off the trees, and they're waving the branches. They're taking off their clothes and throwing it on the floor to make, like, this red carpet for the king to come through. And they're telling Jesus, like, how can you let them worship you? How can you let them sing these songs to you. And what does he say? He says, if they don't worship me, the rocks will cry out. So Jesus was making a grand entrance. Salvation was coming to Jerusalem. And he knew exactly what was going to happen in seven days. He knew that he would rise up from the dead, but he also knew what would happen on Good Friday is that he was going to die. And so in verse 41 of Luke chapter 19, after Jesus goes down the red carpet and People worship him and the Pharisees try to mess him up. There's this part of the triumphal entry. There's this part of Palm Sunday that a lot of people, it's like, you know, they, they overlook it. And it's one of the parts that like really hit me hard. And it all goes back to like not recognizing who's there. And so Luke chapter 19 verse 41, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Jesus is looking over the city. And he's crying over the city. And he said, If you, even you, had known on this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you on every side. They will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus is heartbroken because he came to save his people. And the Bible teaches us that his people rejected him. How many times have we missed it? How many times has God wanted to have a relationship with us and bless us? And we've just let him walk by, or maybe we're looking for a physical, tangible thing from God, and maybe we get it, and then as soon as we get it, then what happens? We forget about God. I want to tell you something today that God has big plans for each and every one of you. You may be thinking, yeah, maybe for her, maybe for him, not for me. No, for you. God has big plans for you. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Who loves God here today? 
Who loves God? I mean, if you love God, raise your hand. God has incredible things prepared for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Do not allow the things of this world to distract you. We live very distracted lives. People, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm 40, I don't even know, 40, 41 maybe, I think. I'll just say I'm 40. And like, I've been around for a while and I've never noticed a group of people more distracted than this generation, than my generation. And so I brought you guys a little video. Are you ready for the little video? Watch this. Okay, you can, you, can, you can stop it. You can stop it. People are distracted. And as silly as it looks, I wanted you guys to laugh at the end because I feel terrible for that lady. She's fine, by the way. Um, but she was very hurt because she was distracted. And sometimes in life, we will miss what God wants to do. We won't hear Jesus' call because of distractions. So the question today is, how do we hear Jesus? How do we hear Jesus? I, I want to know. And so I think that Luke, the same book that we were reading, Luke chapter 19, reading the triumphal entry, before the triumphal entry, Jesus gives this parable of a farmer, of a sower. And it gives us a perfect illustration on how we can recognize when God is calling us. The first thing that we need to do to hear Jesus is we need to have an open mind. If we're not open to Jesus, if we're not open to the Bible, if we're not open to talking to God and and having a relationship with Him then we're not going to hear him. We've got to be receptive. We have to be willing to hear from God. I've got to be ready and eager, willing to listen, because the first barrier to hearing God, to hearing Jesus, is actually resistance. We are resistant. We are resistant to the call of God. We are resistant to the will of God. Luke chapter 8, verse 5 says, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering it, the seed fell fell along the path. And it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. What is he talking about here? Okay, so just imagine like a cornfield. You guys have all seen the movies, or a big field. And so the crop is here, and then there's the path. And that's where the farmer walks through. And he walks by over and over again. And you see how they make the little mountains, right? The little hills. And I'm not using the right terms, but you know, the little bushy. You guys don't know the right terms either. And and then that's where they put the seed. And that's where the plant grows, But on the path, it becomes hard. It's not taken care of. And and if some seed falls there, it doesn't penetrate the ground. And then what happens? The birds come and take it. See, a lot of our minds, see, there's a lot of traffic going through these paths, up and down. That's how they irrigate. That's how they fumigate. That's how they pick the fruit. 
And there's a lot of traffic there. A lot of our minds are just like that. There's so much traffic in our minds. So many things that we're feeding ourselves, that we're looking at, that we're listening to, that we're thinking about. That a lot of times what God is trying to deposit into our lives, it gets pushed away, it gets trampled on. When he's trying to broadcast his will, his seed into our life, it falls on this hard path. See, the first thing that we have to do is we have to be receptive. We have to have an open mind. John 8, 12, it says, those along the footpath are the ones who hear. Okay, so the, the seed that falls on this hard path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their hearts so they can't believe and be saved. If our hearts are hard, if our soil is hard, if our minds are consumed with things, we're going to fall in the hole like that lady, we're going to fall in the pool, we're going to get hit by a car, and we're going to miss God's voice, God's calling in our life. You see, what causes people not to hear the voice of God? What causes our path to get hard? Many times it's pride. We are proud people. I'm not going to do the will of God. I'm not going to do what the pastor says. I'm not going to do what my leader's telling me to do or what the Bible says. I went to school. I'm a strong woman. I'm a strong man. I'm going to do what I want to do. I know what the Bible says, and that's okay for them, but not for me. Pride. The second thing is fear. Sometimes we don't hear the will of God, and our, our soil is hard because of fear, and we have this mental block, and we don't hear God. And sometimes we don't hear God because we're afraid to hear him speak. We're afraid. What is God going to say? Some of us know God so well, know about God so well, that know that if we would listen to him, he would ask us to do something that we don't want to do right now. He would tell us, hey, you know what? Don't go into that business deal. Don't hang out with those people. And we're like, we don't want to hear God. Don't go to that school. Don't get on your computer in the middle of the night. But we don't want to hear God, and so our hearts become hard. We're afraid of what God would ask of us. And the third thing that hardens our heart is bitterness. Bitterness will harden our hearts and will not allow the Word of God to come into our lives and set us free. Because that's what God does, amen? The Word of God sets us free. See, when I'm holding on to hurt, when I'm holding on to resentment, when I'm holding on to a grudge then I'm not going to listen to God because my heart is hard. See, if you're here today and you're holding on to a grudge, let it go. Surrender it to God today. Your heart grows hard. It grows defensive. And it even grows defensive towards God's love for you. Let go. Because what's going to happen is all this good stuff that people are trying to pour into your life, the word of God that's coming into your life, it's going to just sit on the surface on this hard soil and the devil's going to come and he's going to take it. And so the second thing that we need to do, we need to have an open mind and then we must take time to listen. We must take time to listen. We must make time to listen. We have to slow down. We have to be quiet so that we can hear God. Why? Because the second barrier to hearing God is hurry. Oh my gosh, we're in Miami, Mark. Everybody is always 
in a hurry. We wake up and we're in a hurry to feed the kids, to get them out the door, to get them to school, to get to work, to go to lunch ourselves, to get back to work because we only got an hour for lunch. And then we got to go rush, get the kids, ballet, football, jujitsu, this, that, boom, boom, boom. Oh my gosh, what are we going to eat for dinner? And then finally we collapse and then it starts all over again. It's like Groundhog Day. And sometimes our pace will keep us from hearing God. I remember when I took a train from Connecticut to New York. And the other times I had been to New York, I had actually flown to New York. But this time we took a train. And I saw parts of this country that I didn't even know existed. I thought it was like, you know, animation and Hollywood whenever I watched the movies. This is really America? This is really what New York looks like? Whenever I think of New York, I just think Statue of Liberty, big buildings and smelly alleys and stuff and and I was on this train that probably took about the same amount of time that it took would take for me to fly from Miami and and I saw so many beautiful things it's incredible what happens when we slow down it's incredible what would happen in our lives that's why some of us we long to go on vacation and it's only like three days seven days a year where we slow down and we're like wow look at our kids We look at our spouses and we remember why we love them. Make time to slow down and spend time with God because you will be missing so much. Luke 8, 13 says this, going back to the farmer. It says that the rocky soil represents those who hearing the message with joy. So you're happy about hearing the message. You're happy about coming to church. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. And so Jesus is talking to a group of people in the Middle East, okay? So it's hot over there. It's rocky. And so for them to plant anything, they got to work really hard. It's like some parts of Florida where we got the limestone, like, you know, two feet down. And if you really want to farm, you got to break that and bring good soil. And so he's talking to them. They know exactly what he's talking about. And so Jesus is saying that there's also this type of soil that, yeah, something will grow, But it's rocky, it's hard, and the roots don't go deep. And so now we have these shallow plants. And we have shallow people, shallow men and shallow women, superficial faith. And then when the storms come, when the sun comes and the hot wind comes, what happens? The plant dies. See, a lot of times we hear the word of God and we're excited. Oh my gosh, did you hear Tanya? Did you hear Siggy today? Did you hear Pastor Mark, his angelic voice? Oh my gosh. Oh, it's not that good? No, I'm just kidding. And we react emotionally, and that's fine because Jesus, God created us to be emotional, to have emotions, to get excited, right? Jesus put that in our hearts. And we're moved impulsively, but we don't take time to let it sink in. You have no idea how many times in the many years that I've been in ministry that I've talked to people after preaching a message, and they have tears in their eyes, and they're like, oh my gosh, Pastor Mark, man, this message touched me today. And they're crying, and sometimes I'll never see them again. Or if I see them again, nothing really happened. Because they were touched by the message, but they were not transformed by the message. They were moved emotionally, but as soon as the emotions are gone, because emotions, they leave, nothing happens because they don't allow the word of God to penetrate the bedrock of their personality. It's very superficial. 
And just like that tree, that seed that's thrown on the rocky ground, and yeah, it gets green, and yeah, maybe you'll even get a flower or two, but when the sun comes, when the problems come, when the stress comes, when the pain comes, what happens? We die. There's no depth. We're thrilled, but we're not transformed. We walk into church, and as soon as we leave church, we forget. I don't want you to be that way. You don't want to be that way. You want to be a deep person. We want to be deep. Could you imagine if you overheard someone talking about you? Hey, do you know Mark? Oh, yeah, he's such a shallow guy. That's horrible. I would cry, I think, if I ever heard someone describing me that way. None of us want to be thought of as a shallow person. We want to be deep. So how do we develop roots? How do we develop spiritual roots so when the problems come, we can raise a hallelujah in the middle of my misery. But that's not what we do. We get on Instagram, oh my God, people, don't trust people because people will backstab you. Like, you always know when someone's, someone just got, like, talked about or hurt because they just go on Instagram or go on Facebook. You know, people can be so, like, dumb. And it's like, oh, she got into a fight with her sister again. You know what I mean? Instead of saying, I raise a hallelujah in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through. And just cry out to God. And in the depth of your storm, in the depth of your most difficult moment, you will see that you will survive. Yeah, you're going to lose a couple leaves, maybe a couple branches. But just like that tree in your house after the hurricane, the leaves came out again. It has new branches. How many people want new branches? I want new branches. There's a couple branches I don't like. Sometimes it takes a storm to get a new branch, to get stronger, to grow deeper. And so how do we develop deep roots, deep spiritual roots? It's real easy. Spend time with God every day. What does that look like? I don't know. I think for some of us, it's just waking up in the morning and talking with God. And just like, God, I'm going to work and I hate my boss, but just... Help me. Help me love him. Bring me a new boss or get me a new job. But you know what we do? We're in the shower. Oh, my God. And it's like we bring all this anguish and shallowness into our life, man. Let's raise a hallelujah in the middle of a crappy boss, right? And trust that God is for us and that God is trying to teach us something. God wants us to have a couple new branches. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Whatever it is that you're asking God for, seek God first and then everything else is going to be added unto you. And the second one, I'm going to hit a couple of you pretty hard. Come to church. And it's not because I want to see you as much as I love you guys and I love having people here. But man, having the discipline of going to church draws us closer to God, draws our family closer to God, draws our kids closer to God. Draws our friends closer to God when they're like, hey, yo, let's go do this. All right, let's go do it. Instead, you're like, no, I'm going to church. And they're like, all right, good for you. But next time that friend needs someone to talk to, who are they going to call? The guy that just had 10 mimosas at the wharf or their friend that's always at church and says, I'll meet you at the wharf after church, right? So come to church. And this isn't just Pastor Mark talking. Luke, actually Hebrews 10.25 says this. Do not give up meeting together as as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? 
the end. All right, and this was written thousands of years ago. I think we're a little closer to the end. We're a little closer to the time when this world is, is no more, and we could have conversations about that later. But, man, we're at every day, you know, there's people here that work in the news. You guys watch the news. You guys watch what's going on. Every day things just get worse and worse and worse, and there's more hate and there's more pain. And that's because this world needs a Savior, and Jesus is coming back. And that means we have to spend more time together and fellowship and grow stronger. The third thing, this is my last point. How do we hear from God? We must eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. Stop walking and looking at your phone. Stop letting life flash before your eyes. I mean, I struggle with this, but I see it more in my son Caleb. Right? It's like, dude, get off the phone. Get off the computer. Because I, I, I think the house could be on fire. And he'd be like. And my wife's probably saying, you're the same way. She's probably right. But I can't see myself. <laughs> Where are you? Be quiet. So, um, by the way, so sh- she's going to preach in a couple weeks. So she's practicing. So now you're stuck. Now you're stuck. So Luke chapter 8, it says this. Again, back to the farmer. It says, Other seed fell in the weeds, and the weeds grew with it and strangled it. So what does that mean? That means we come to church, we spend time with God, we worship, we read the Bible. But there's weeds in our garden. And the same time we're growing, the weeds are growing. And the weeds, what do they do? They strangle us. Notice this third kind of soil is not necessarily bad soil. It's just soil that's not being taken care of. So God is saying to us today, what is the weed in our garden? What are the things that we're allowing to grow around us that are choking us, that are strangling us? Luke chapter 8, 14, it says, The seed that fell among the weeds stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. I have met people that say, man, you know, I've been a Christian for 10 years. And you look at them and you're like, man, why are you going through the same thing over and over and over again? And it's because the weeds are there. And he knows the word, she knows the word. And and then, you know, before she dies of asphyxiation, she rips a couple weeds off of that. And she raises her hands again. She sings with Tanya again. And she's rocking. He's rocking. And then we let the weeds grow again. We never mature. See, this verse is full of truth. The first phrase, it says, as they go. What does that mean? We're always on the go. We're always on the go. And and it's like, man, you know, it's just who I am. It's my personality. I have ADD. I'm in Miami. I'm an Uber driver, whatever. I'm always on the go. I can't slow down. My son Joshua He used to say this every time his grandma would buy him something from the dollar store. He would look at it and say, basura, and throw it in the garbage. He was like, one. He hasn't changed much. He's ten now. And that's what God would say about us if we would tell God, God, I can't slow down. My life is just too busy. My kids, my job, everything, I can't slow down. Psalm 46, God demands of us to slow down. It says, be still and know that I'm God. How many times have we told something, be quiet, relax. And many times when we say this passion, we want to save someone, we want to help someone, we want to feed someone, or someone's drowning and it's only like two feet of water, and you're like, dude, relax, shut up, stand up, 
It's only two feet of water. God is demanding of us today, be still, and not just be still, and know that I'm God. Whatever your situation could be, as terrible as it may sound or feel, and you're right, I don't know what you're going through, but what I do know is that God loves you, and there is nothing that could be going on in your life that's bigger than God. So whatever it is, as terrible as it may be, it is dwarf-sized next to the power of God and what God wants to do for you. I read it for you. I read it to you in the beginning. What God wants to do for you is bigger than anything that you can ever think of. The most creative person in this room, you can't even imagine what God wants to do in your life. You just need to let him work in your life. Listen, be still, and know that I am God. So if we want to hear from God, we must have an open mind. We must make time to listen, and we must eliminate distractions. We must listen to God. I love Proverbs 3. It says this, listen for God's voice in everything that you do. Everywhere you go, he is the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. This is God talking to us. How many times do we assume that we know it all? Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything that you own, every single thing that you have. Give him the first and the best. Give God the first and your best best, and I love this part, and your barns will burst. The things you think you have a lot now, or you think you can't trust God because you just have just a little bit, he says to trust him and give him the first and best, and your barns are going to burst. We're going to be so blessed that we can't even contain it. Your wine vats will brim over, and that's what blessing is. You're so full that you're overflowing. That's what God wants for you today. I'm going to invite you to stand up. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And again, I I think that sometimes as evangelicals, as Christian, non-denominational or whatever, we missed this week, man. Something incredible happened this week, which we call in Spanish Semana Santa. Man, salvation came to earth and so many people miss it. I would hate for you to leave today and miss what God wants to do in your life, what God wants to tell you today, the things that God wants to reveal to you, your future, where you're going to work, where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, who your kids are going to marry. That's freaking me out. And all I could do is like raise a hallelujah or jump off the building, you know, it's like, but thankfully, I'm raising a hallelujah because I got a beautiful seven-year-old daughter. And it just drives me. I think about this almost every night before I fall asleep. That's why I'm not sleeping well lately. <laughs> what is it? What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that is not allowing you to grow? Grow closer to God. Grow deeper in your relationship. And so as the band worships and sings... I want to pray for you. I want to give you an opportunity to have a fresh start in your life, to begin to hear. You know how exciting it is when you're going to get that new cell phone or or like AT&T's in your house and you're getting fiber optic and now you're going to be able to stream like out of 300 devices and you get to work the next day. Oh my gosh, the internet's so fast in my house or my phone is so cool. What we're excited about is connectivity. 
It's the flow of information. And yet, we don't even have dial-up. I mean, we're like Morse code when it comes to God. But if, man, you want to take your relationship with God to like high speed, the fastest speed ever, I want to pray with you. This doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're dumb. This means that you're brave. This means that you want to live the best days of your life. This means that you haven't lived the best days of your life. Who believes that the best days are ahead of us? Is there anybody here that says, yeah, you know what? It would be sad to wake up every morning and be like, I've already lived my best life. No, I believe that my best life is tomorrow and the day after that. But the only way that we can have assurance of that is if we have a connection with God. If we put on our God glasses today and say, I'm not going to allow the devil to take my seed. I'm not going to allow people, friends to clutter my mind and distract me. I'm going to be focused on who God is and what God wants for me. And this doesn't make you like a religious freaky person. This makes you an awesome person. This makes someone that's sure. How many unsure people do we know? Most of our friends, most of the people we bump into have no idea what they're doing with your life, but you can wake up every morning knowing that God is for you and God loves you and that God forgives you and that he wants something better for you and that your best days are tomorrow and the day after that. And so as the band sings, I want to pray for you. I really want to live your best days with you by your side. Because there's going to be days that I'm going to need people to lift me up. And I need you guys. God's going to do something big in our city. And he wants to use us to do it. The world changed with 12 people. 12 knuckleheads. 12 disciples. And there's over 100 people here today with your kids. Okay? We could change this city in Jesus' name. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.